What's good, everybody? This is Scoobert Dubert with Love Music More, and I am joined with Ryan Haft, who we are going to be talking about uh, audio engineering, recording, talking with bands, building studios, all sorts of awesome stuff, including some live sound, too. So how are you doing, Ryan? Great to, uh, good. Great to meet you. You as well. So you're in, this new, you're in this new studio space. Um, you just gave me like kind of a 360 tour before we started recording. Um, what what prompted you to uh, have to have to make this move? I feel like it's like a very relatable music story, like recording story. Right, right, right. Yeah, I guess we were chatting about it a little bit, but I can give the full story. Is that yeah. I, I was in a space. Um, I'm in I'm in Miami, Florida. I was in a space in North Miami that uh, I guess in town is kind of known as like. Studio Central, there's like Criteria Studios is over there where the BGs made famous. There's a big documentary on it, I think on HBO or something like that. But I was in that area and I, I've kind of worked in that area since I guess I started getting into this. Um, I worked at another studio up there called The Dungeon for a long time, which is now defunct. That was kind of like the rock and roll studio in Miami. Cool. But um, I was there for a long time, four or five years and kind of smack dab in the middle of the pandemic. Even there wasn't a lot going on. They put like a CrossFit gym in next to us Ugh. and and like we we noticed he was moving in and we kind of mm-hmm. all, all he had kind of done is like painted the walls black like just cement walls uh-huh. we were like hey man like i went to the leasing office and we were like hey look like this isn't gonna work yeah and they kind of were like there you know there is one other space like we'll, we'll give it to him for the same price like whatever and we approached the dude like hey man like this isn't gonna work like can you can you move over to this other space? Like we'll paint the walls black for you. Like we'll, yeah, yeah. we'll do all this stuff. And he, and he straight up was just like, "Nah, I'm good." Like, "Nah, I'm straight. I'm straight." And like, just Ugh. literally re- did, didn't give a shit. Ugh. And then you know, drops weights and yeah, playing so music so over a PA the whole time. So you're like you're like trying to record. You're like on an acoustic guitar, and you've got like a 45 pound weight like clanging next door, and yeah, PA music. What a freaking nightmare. Yeah, it was just if you tried to do anything delicate like yep. a vo- yep. like a vocal with a condenser mic or yeah yes. any acoustic guitar like to, between the hours of basically like 11 and 7 p.m just like wouldn't work if i was doing like cranked up guitars or like mm-hmm. loud drums like you know you'd get away with it yep. i should add that this this space was like was built out i think in the 90s i believe originally it was the studio called tapeworm and you know that somebody moved on from it and it was just a uh, a built out recording studio in these warehouse space. So we, we had yes. taken it over. So we didn't do the initial build out. Yes. And for years it was fine. And then come to find out with the gym next door, like, Oh yeah, the, like, there's nothing on the other side of these walls right. between, you know, the other space. And yeah. So that led us to like, all right, we either retrofit this space for a ton of money and like, hope it works like float, you know, float a room inside of a room mm-hmm. situation. Or it was like, yo, maybe we just move from this area and just, start start from scratch like have a chance to like truly design between the rooms and stuff and i think that's really Um, interesting like you you have now obviously it's it's hard you i mean even me like with my little uh, home studio behind me i'm i'm going through it just trying to be like okay put a panel over here it's like wow these things are expensive this is i gotta get a rug you know all the little things you can only imagine what it's like to be actually on the commercial level uh recording space so but you also have the the added benefit of now you can design it the way you want and for your needs so could you talk about kind of like what what was the light bulb moment it's like hey we're gonna do it our own on our own and then how are how are we going to make it ours like our our dream space 
Yeah, I mean, well, like, I guess from the other space, so it's me and like a couple guys that share this, this space. So in the other space was basically just control room, live room. That was it. Okay, you know, cool. Bathroom, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were like, all right, like, if we move to another space, like, how can we, how can we increase the efficiency of the spot? So like the idea with the design in this place is, I'm in the big control room right now, but like across the hall, there's a small control room. Oh, cool. And both of, both of them look out at the same live room. So neat. We have, we have two control rooms that both face the live room. So like one, one room could be mixing, one room could be tracking, both rooms cool. could be mixing. That's really it allows nice. at least like two, two things to cohabitate at once. Like, yes, yes, yes. So that was one. And then, yeah, I guess, I don't know, just ergonomics of like, I guess the other, the other space had a very large control room and everybody got real comfortable with that. So this, this room is like a nice, comfortable size. You could fit like several people in here and not feel like you're all sitting on top of each other. And, and um, I think that's kind of that's kind of rare nowadays because there's so many places that are being built as like production spaces. Like even my home studio is kind of like that. Where it's like it's not particularly comfortable for an entire team to come through or a whole band. And I feel like with the music that you're making, it's it's critical to be able to have the entire band in listening to what what you're tracking, even if they're not participating in the tracking, but like just being able to give their input, um, being able to create that like collaborative space that I feel like that really works with the kind of music that you're making. Yeah, totally. And you have a million bathrooms. Yeah, we did. <laughs> it was garage garage sale and toilets when we first started on this spot. I guess I had told you that. Yeah, the the, the bare space came with like four bathrooms in it. It was like I think the space was used as like a underground church at some point. So that's awesome. Lots of, lots of shitters. And I feel like a lot of people don't realize kind of the care and science and the art that goes into like building a creative space where you have, you know, on the one hand, you want it to sound great. And then on the other, you want it to feel great. How did you kind of navigate that? Like putting up panels, choosing colors, making it feel like a creative space, but also, you know, checking all the boxes acoustically. I, f I mean, at first, like the design, the layout kind yeah. of started as like, I kind of just sketched out something on paper cool. and just kind of put like some of the studio one-on-one stuff down like mm -hmm. all right like let's not do parallel walls and that type what, of thing try to what, like not what, have parallel walls just, just in case if people don't understand you know this this stuff maybe they're just a, a bedroom uh producer or, or not even just a music fan what what why no parallel walls why does that um why is that like bullet point number one of what you're going to avoid when you're building your space i mean i'm not i'm not like super knowledgeable about no, it cool. but like the, the idea is just you know, as, as sound comes off speakers, it, it's going to reflect off of surfaces, right? And the idea of like skewing walls a little bit allows like for sound. I mean, it'd be the same way of like light hitting a mirror, I guess, similar, cool, yeah. like, yeah, as you know, as sound like hits one wall, it's going to ricochet off of it. And you're trying to avoid it ricocheting back to your ears. So you to not color like color the the source coming out of, out of the speakers from early reflections right so the idea is to like sound hit walls then scatter into a different direction and then the second step is like adding absorption stuff to kind of like grab it and hold it down cool yeah and just same, like you same were... in the live room and control room same same kind of concepts yeah that then that's that's an interesting point we could we could dig into a little bit but um you were talking about uh behind you you're you're going to put in a huge a diffusion panel and um you say how yeah. many pieces of wood did you say you have out uh man i don't know like I, we were we were originally on the tip of just like just buying you know buying them yeah. you know there's all these companies that make them gik and stuff like that right but right my other partner was like i think it's gonna be better if we do it custom 
Cool. And he, he, he convinced me somehow. So we <laughs> actually got a hold of a program that we're going to do like a QRD style oh, cool. diffuser. Nice. Awesome. And we got, we found a program that like we could kind of put in the dimensions that we want and it would sort of spit out like how many wells it's supposed to have and the, you know, the depths of the wells. And it turned out to be like every little well is going to be one inch. And this thing is like, I don't know, 12 feet long by like oh eight God. feet high. So like awesome. it's a, t- it's a ton. That's awesome. And yes, we still, we have it all cut. We still need to just like stain it to kind yep. of match some of the stuff that's in here and then assemble it. Yep. Glue that stuff on. So yeah, just, just for people, um, that uh might might be familiar so like what we were talking about with the parallel walls this is that to the you know nth degree of all of these little tiny reflection surfaces that you create and and the the beauty of what you're doing is you actually did it mathematically most people don't realize that there is like a mathematical formula to being able to diffuse the sound around the room rather than just having like a bookshelf or <laughs> or just some random yeah i mean a, bits a, of wood. A, a bookshelf a bookshelf would kind of do a kick-ass job too yeah. you know what I yeah, mean? yeah yeah right yeah and I mean, we did a little, we did some of the math on it, uh-huh. but like by no means, like, di- is yeah. this place like mathematically perfect? Like if a true designer were to like, check it out. Magic but... though, right? Like sometimes, I mean, if everything was mathematically perfect, then every studio would kind of sound the same or whatever. I mean, I feel like part of the. Uh, but I, I, I've listened, I read yeah. interviews and I've in yeah. stuff with people and like people that are even still mixing. I mean, even studio designers that are yeah. mathematically on paper, these rooms are built and should spit out whatever frequency response like perfectly flat like it never fucking does like even (laughs) these like super expensive rooms like these guys end up still using like dsp on their speakers to like do some correction and stuff like yeah so i mean i don't know i've always kind of worked in whatever no mathematically perfect room like my entire career and like i assume most engineers are working in suboptimal spaces you know you work Mm -hmm. on them but like Mm -hmm. there's quirky stuff to all these rooms to every room you work in you know what i mean and like great great products come out of these things you know what i mean so well there's something like your your Uh your brain just kind of fills in the gaps of, of things that are weird in the room you get used to it and you just learn what's weird about it or yeah and i mean every like like, every part of the chain like you learn what's weird about certain speakers because every speaker is a little bit different you learn what's different about different headphones or different microphones all of these kind of things you almost learn just by osmosis and being around it and then um one of the things I, I notice a lot of mixing engineers especially they're going into a new room they'll listen down to a bunch of mixes they know super super well and then they'll kind of in their head create that delta of this is what yeah, it should you, sound you hear, like. This is what it does sound like. Yeah, like in this in this space, like, oh yeah, there's like extra low end or like, oh, the yeah. mid-range is like kind of poking out a little bit here. Like, yeah, I mean that's a that's a good way to, you know, adapt yourself to a space you're not like completely comfortable with. Very cool. I like that a lot. Um, in terms of differences between uh how you're treating the live room versus the control room would just be curious just to kind of share with listeners or with me really like what what do you think what do you think like what what was your philosophical kind of difference there more diffusion and open in the live room or did you try to keep everything pretty dead so you could do more stuff in the box or what was your what was your plan there my 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 preference for it was the live room was to like try to like try to keep it as live as i could i mean i i I like i like the rooms to sound live and i have like some rolling gobos and stuff yeah 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 
I feel, yeah, you want something to sound dead, you can just surround it by a bunch of things and build yeah. like a blanket fort above a drum kit or whatever <laughs> yes. if you really want to do that. Exactly. Like it's easier to do that than, I mean, you Make can it. obviously you, you can create live stuff with reverbs and stuff like that. But to me, it, it's hard to fake. I mean, it sounds fine, but like there's nothing like the actual space being activated, right? So mm -hmm. we wanted to kind of, I wanted to keep it as open as I could without it being like harsh and yeah, like a garage just tuning it. Yeah. Just kind of tuning it. Right. So we, we cool. threw up some stuff, some diffusion and some, like some not broadband, but like basically kind of like mid range absorption stuff to just okay. try to control the garagey sounding yeah. things because yeah. this was just there. Are, it is unparalleled walls in there, but mm -hmm. you know, with no treatment, it still kind of sounds like a, like a warehouse or a garage yeah, right. or something. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's that sound when people move into a new place, you know, like picture your Absolutely, apartment yeah. or whatever when you walk in for the first time and it's just like, wow, this feels tough to live in. Or like a like a really brutal restaurant where you hear everybody's conversation all at once. Oh, yeah. Just stress. Yeah, like, like you say, when you move into a place and there's no furniture in it, you yes. like clap and you're like, oh, shit. And then you, as soon as you throw like a carpet down and a couch uh -huh. and some stuff around, you're like, all right, this doesn't feel like. You know, I'm in a I'm in a garage or a warehouse <laughs> or something. So exactly. So yeah, we started it like kind of with sort of with nothing. I did like some drums, and then mm -hmm. I was like, all right, like I was like, okay, there's some harsh stuff in like in the upper mid range. So we 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 got like a skyline diffuser on one wall, and then we started adding some stuff on the ceiling that you kind of see, yeah, back, see, there. see and, back there. Yeah, yeah, and it started to like tighten it up a little bit, but. It, it hasn't fully like removed like the life from it. So cool. I love that. I love For that. now feels all right. I'm sure like, I don't know, in a couple months after doing some more stuff, I'll be like, all right, we should, we should change one thing or maybe take some stuff <laughs> off the wall or uh -huh. I don't know. It'll probably like be an endless, endless trial and error situation. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I feel like that's the life of the engineer is just you solve one problem, you discover the next or just like the little things like, oh, this channel strip just isn't working today. Um, you know, just do yeah. you, constantly uncovering like the next thing that you have to do on your to do list, is, like linear problem solving. Yeah, that and like, I mean, in a weird way, taste too. like right now I'm like, yeah, cool. like, I want it yeah. live. Yeah. But, you know, like, I guess I'll have the option. Like I, I get on these tips where I'm like, yeah, I want these super tight drums and then. Mm -hmm. maybe i'll be like we need to put up more diffusion or we need to put up more absorption on these walls yes exactly so, yeah that's we'll, a good we'll point. see it, yeah it'll be it'll be a process but yeah but i i love that i don't know just just providing yourself that flexibility and like trusting those instincts and trusting that you'll get there when you get there i think all of those are really good lessons because a lot of engineers especially when you're building your first space or building your first home studio the impulses to do everything at the same time because like anything short you're doing it so like anything short of it being perfect is a failure or whatever it's like no even top of the line commercial recording spaces are have incremental change yeah and i just think i mean i think if you're going to be working in a space like mm -hmm. all the time like you yeah. like you said like you kind of need to learn it a little bit like you need to spend some time Ooh. in here to be to realize like all right, this is something that actually needs to change or this is something like we should modify, right? So that's a good point. Yeah. I think it takes I think it takes a little time to like actually come to those conclusions. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you could yeah. obviously just sit in here and run like a measurement test and then uh -huh. you know, you know, whatever the whatever the math says, you know, but like you're saying aside aside <laughs> from the math, I think you can right. you know, you can tweak things to your your preference.
Right. Yeah. I mean, if it if everything was all math, then it would in in that way, then it would just anybody could do it because you just bring the measurements and it's done. It's yeah. Like, yeah. It's not there's there are there are these missing elements. It's like when people say like music is math or whatever. It's like I don't know. You're kind of missing the whole point. Uh, sure, parts the magic. of it are the magic. The mad the magic the magic's the thing that you can't yeah. can't do on the calculator, right? So yes. On that point, stuff I, around till I really want to talk. I want to talk to you about outboard gear. Because I know that this is always a hot debate with uh, music, uh, just fans and then creators. And obviously there are budget issues to have a real LA-2A versus the UAD LA-2A. Um, would just love to kind of like hear your perspective on you have some awesome outboard gear. I was checking out your, your website. Um, the magic and the mojo of outboard versus uh, in the box and when you kind of reach for one or the other. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could bring it back. For a long time, I was yeah. the, the the first studio I mentioned that I worked at called the Dungeon was like a full analog spot, SSLs, oh, outboard yeah. gear, tape machines. Uh-huh. I kind of came up using all that stuff, and I guess maybe I somewhere deep down, I always wanted to believe that that stuff sounded better, and for a long okay. time it did. Yeah, I believed yeah. it did. It sounded. It had the thing. It had the magic right like mm-hmm. i had the sauce um i think now we're in a period of time where plugins have leveled the playing field pretty drastically yeah um yeah i mean it, it's impressive i do i do actually do a lot of mixing in the box somewhat mm-hmm. these days even though i do i am sitting in front of a big uh-huh. ssl i do i do like to mix on it but um yeah I do I do heavily use all of this outboard gear that's here in the studio mm-hmm. in the tracking phase. I do I do see that not being replaceable. Cool. So I I, I the way I like to work is I do like to yeah. kind of grab sounds the way I think they should sound, or, okay. or the way any or the band the band or the artist thinks yeah. they should sound on the way in. Yeah. Right. So like if it should be if it should be brighter, or it should be punchier, or it should be distorted to all shit. Yeah. Um. I like to I like to least like aim at that yeah on the way sure. in and the outboard gear you can you can push it far yes. Yes. you know you can you can dime the knobs and things still sound like pleasing where mm-hmm. you start doing that stuff from plugins and like you start to reach the, like the upper limitations of what the plugins can do or what what they modeled appropriately right right i know that, a lot that, of guys that's I, I impl- yeah go for it Good. yeah plugins like i implement it I mean, I've listened to some interviews like Chad Blake talking about it, that like mm-hmm. he tries to think of plugins as not outboard gear, but like as just like a new tool, even yeah. though the picture right. of an LA-2A, like, <laughs> yeah. is, is it same? really an LA-2A? Yeah. It's, uh-huh. yeah, it's not mm-hmm. exactly the same, but it, it is a new tool. So you just, you know, you have to figure out ways that you can get things out of plugins a different way than you would out of outboard gear. Like 1176 is like outboard ones, like, you know, you could smash them and they sound yeah. pretty awesome. Totally. The plugins, like you totally smash them and they start to get kind of brittly and harsh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But a lot of what a lot of people do workarounds is like, you know, you use like three instances yep. of a That's what I do. 1176 plugin doing just like a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, it kind of gets you a closer result. to so like if you just took one hardware 1176 yep. and just yes. destroyed the shit out of the input or something like that's a good point. And yeah, and then like a lot of, I mean, it makes sense why that would be the case, right? Is like when you're driving these actual capacitors and these actual lines and transformers and shit. And transformers. Yeah. yeah. It's like that, that makes sense that that would 
be able to impart a sound that would be super, super hard to capture. And like, there's some approximations, like I like a black box. There's this thing like true iron by Kazrog. That's pretty cool. That's yeah, like yeah, yeah. transform. Yeah. Yeah. They're cool. Um, but yeah, they're not, they're not quite that thing, but they are enough of that thing that if you need to add like 20%, you can. So it's right. a really good, good point. Like if you, if you're getting the sound that you want in the actual tracking phase, and then you need to add an extra 20%. It's like, hey, the plugin's got your back. But Absolutely, if you need yeah. to add 100%, it's like, mm, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to get there. It gets a little tricky. And if I get yeah. sent, I mean, it happens. I get sent things that like, mm -hmm. I do need to get about 80% of it back. And I, yeah. I will send out. Yeah. I will treat it like, all right, I am going to retract these I'm files. recording this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I will, yeah. I will send it out to like a plethora of of outboard stuff and like tweak it to like, I'm like, this is what it maybe should have sounded like at my tracking stage. And then yes. print, print it back in and keep that as my starting point. Like, yep. so I kind of yep. capture some of that stuff and then I go into like the mixing portion I, I of it where I, that that's like a really interesting, not all mixing engineers think like that, but I think the ones that do were the ones that really, really crush it where they like look at it, go, mm, okay, I would attract that differently. Let's reamp it. Like I do that sometimes with guitars. If somebody sends me a really crappy line in signal, yeah, send it back two, two amp, send it right back in. It's like, great. It's like we just uh, had a nice tracking session and, and worked on the tone together instead of like grinding away for three hours trying to get 15 plugins to do the job. It's like, I've got an amp. I'm just going to throw it in the amp. It's going to take yeah, me yeah, 30 minutes. Like, yeah, like anytime I end up on a track and then yeah. like I end up, I use the Fab Filter Pro Q a decent yeah. amount for search rules. Anytime I end up with like this EQ curve that's like, yes right looks like this trying to like make it just sound like even yeah that's when i'm kind of like all right like i gotta do something else to like make exactly. this work you know exactly like the eq curve should not have to look like that to have just like an electric guitar sound right so yep yep I usually totally... then 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 it's like all right let me just send it out through something like i have yeah. a tape machine here sometimes cool. i'll hit it to like one, yes. one of the tracks on one of the tape machines perfect and usually like you can start taming the weird stuff that sounded bad and then you can end up with just like a normal eq on your track <laughs> mix like that was a really hard thing for me uh when i was doing my first mixes because i thought like because i would use the presets or whatever and i thought that like eqs had to be really drastic and and then like the more i actually just would be in a studio with somebody and be like oh you're just using like a shelf it's like oh yeah like, <laughs> okay yeah i mean that's been like a I mean, it's an ever uh, yeah. ongoing thing forever, right? And I mean, I I will do like some extreme shit if mm -hmm. it has to be done. Yeah, like I'm not. I've had a lot of friends coming up that like would be afraid to like yeah put the high shelf 10 dB. They're like 10 yeah. dB, like that's yeah. crazy. I'm like, dude, just close your eyes and turn it up. If it sounds good, it sounds good. So sometimes uh, you do just yes. gotta close your eyes yes. and make some crazy ass EQ move to work. But like more, more and more now, I've learned that it's like I think what you kind of just said is like, yeah, like you're like you know what, it could be a little brighter. I just need a little bit of a high shelf on one thing, and that's it. Yeah, I don't need to use the other. I don't need to use the other four bands of the CQ. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's there's a yeah. plugin that I've been really liking uh, by Good Hertz called Tilt Shift, and it's literally just a, it's just it just does this or this. <laughs> It's, right yeah it's like it's like the tone knob on decapitator basically uh but right. just a little more hi-fi and uh it's great because i it it prevents me from doing too much because i just go oh this just needs to be brighter db and a half and i'm like oh okay it's sitting now i'm gonna step yeah. away but brighter, like before darker. i'd be like you know like oh i'll get the presence like here like oh really tight cue which is like a little tight band for listeners um and uh 
it then at the end of it all, I'd be like, oh, this sounds like thin or really bright or just weird. It, like it doesn't sound like the instrument anymore. It's, it became this other weird thing. Uh, like yeah, and it's weird. It's like you you could do some crazy EQ move like that yeah. with like valleys and peaks and mountains and all kinds of things, <laughs> and then you like bypass that and then go to like the other one where you you just do the tilt. You're like just yeah. a bit brighter, and then go back yeah. and forth, and you're like just a bit brighter totally worked i didn't need to squeeze all these peaks into this thing like right especially because like i don't know i i had a i had a problem when i was uh when i wasn't mixing and i was just in a band and just sending it to mixing engineers is they would send me back stuff and i'd be like that doesn't sound like the instrument anymore like either they sound replaced the drums or like they they did something so drastically tonally to something that it's like hey that's not what i delivered you i want I want like you just, the song. You just wanted a, like an enha- enhanced version of that, but not yeah, a like, completely I wanted, different version. I of wanted that. like a, I wanted a mix of the arrangement that I provided, rather than like, like oh, this is like a different thing now. Um, not not saying that I like wanted the mixing engineer to not be creative. It's like just saying like, hey, like maybe don't, uh, sound replace everything or put it into this like box or your set of presets like let the song become the best version of itself do its thing yeah but i i guess i guess i can guess that uh-huh. those experiences are what led you into yeah doing it doing it yourself exactly so it's, yep. it's not I, not necessarily I, a bad thing no yep i have the same i mean really? that's how i got into this too yeah same Please, story. I'd, love, I'd love to hear i'd love to hear uh how yeah, yeah how'd, mean, you, how'd you come up how'd you decide to be on the side of the glass how did how did that happen I just, I mean, similar thing to you that you just said. Like I played in, I played in plenty of bands. We would do some recordings, and they kind of would never really come out how I imagined or wanted. Yep. yep. And I didn't have, I guess, I didn't have the, like the engineering vocabulary. No. To, to like say what I wanted, right? Right. I just like it should be brighter, mm-hmm. heavier, whatever. But yeah. So yeah, at some point. I just was like, all right, I'm going to buy, I think I bought, I bought a Digi 002 and I bought like nice. 557s and maybe a 1421. Perfect. Like a birthday, birthday present to myself. I think yeah. when I was fucking 21 or 22 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the band I was playing in at the time, I was like, all right, I'm going to record whatever, however many songs we've got right now mm-hmm. and just, just do it. Just start to do it and just, you know, tweak, you know, plugins. Yeah. And yeah, I just started doing it, and then here and there, like a buddy's band would just be like, you know, like that kind of came out cool. Like, can we do our, yes. our little demo? Yeah. And yeah, did did some people's demos, and then you know things started getting better, and mm-hmm. I was able to like charge a little bit of money, and then I got lucky, and I actually the the studio that I mentioned, the dungeon where I mm-hmm. kind of got my first start, I straight up just kind of emailed them, and was like, hey, I record bands like in my living room, like I'd love to like maybe come by and like help out or whatever cool. and yeah i got i got kind of lucky that the owner fred mm-hmm. at that time i think had a uh, another young young daughter and he was just like dude i need somebody here to help me like mm-hmm. just perfect real just right. right place right time thing yeah yeah he brought me in i was there for like a i don't know a week maybe and he realized like i knew how to record bands already and he just gave cool. me the key and was like all right cool yeah you work here like awesome and then yeah from there i just you know i I started just collecting gear kind of yeah, and then right. event, eventually at some point I was like, yeah, like I have enough stuff that maybe I don't need to work at this place. Yeah. And then, so I started, I opened up a, like a studio in a house with a, a partner, uh, my buddy, John, who plays in this band torch. 
he's also a great engineer. Um, so we we kind of partnered together and put cool. both of our collections of gear together and like yeah. had this sweet sweet house that had like a huge live room and a control awesome. room kind of awesome. yeah and um did that for a long time and then mm-hmm. and then i ended up moving into the the space that was demised by the crossfit gym <laughs> and then um after that i'm built built this place and yeah, I'm, I'm here now awesome awesome so um that that's a really cool uh thing because i was i was going to ask you um this question because i get this a lot of like how does somebody start finding bands to record or like working in that and that that uh, you kind of answered that but feel free to expand on it but just like being in the scene recording your own stuff showing yeah, up doing yeah, yeah. Job, finding your network yeah like, that, yeah i mean for me that. i guess maybe i don't know i don't know if it's luck or it was just situational yeah, but it was journey. it was yeah. But it was like, yeah, I did. I played in bands like I constantly was playing in bands and playing shows with other bands. So like I sort of had a network of like local local bands and bands that I was friends cool. with and yes. bands that like and eventually it expanded to like bands that like we would tour with. And right. Yes, that makes things sense. like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was it was just being out, meeting bands, seeing bands, talking to people. And then eventually like you record some bands and their buddy's band is like, who did that? And they're like, oh, this guy did it. Like, yeah, and that's kind of how I did it forever. Like I made I mean. I made a website, you know, that I sent mm-hmm. you, but like I did yeah, that like awesome. I don't know two years ago. Cool. Because my girl, but my girlfriend was kind of just like, "You fucking need to have this," and I was like, "Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I guess you're right." <laughs> so I made so I made one, and you know, it was like fun to make it or whatever. But uh-huh. up until then, like I didn't advertise at all. Really, it was yeah. like everything was just always word of mouth, and it kind yeah. of it sort of still is. Like, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, just being involved with the local music scene, just music scene in general, like that's that is what led me to finding new bands to record and like yeah just every single time trying to do a good job trying to make every recording i do better than the last one or the best one i've ever done this time and yeah you know just trying to do a good job i mean i love doing it so Mm -hmm. that's not that's not a stretch to do you know but yeah um have you found have you found that the love has like increased the more you've done it um or has it just been kind of this constant thing have you had any peaks and valleys with kind of your relationship to to recording production yeah i guess there there are some peaks and valleys i mm-hmm. still very i still very much enjoy it because it is not the same every single day yeah every single yeah. recording you do like i'm i'm not a big proponent of like like sound replacing things and mm-hmm. and like using tons of sample stuff you know what i mean so like yeah. yes. every time i record a drum set like it sounds fucking different than the last time i recorded a drum set and like yep. same with the guitar amps like i don't really I, you know sometimes they sound kind of cool but i try to mic guitar amps and not yeah. use you know mod- modeled stuff mm-hmm. so having that different every time like keeps it exciting to me yes Yes. And then how do you how do you like keep your approach different? Is it just by, you know, just listening and being like, okay, no, this would go well in this sequence or like reevaluating your chains or or kind of approaching things? Like how do you, how do you keep it so that you're not feeling on your side like you're being too templated or you're always running the guitars through a SM57, you know, like et cetera, et cetera? I don't know. I guess like I guess I have a pro I've, I've in the past had a problem with like gear, like, or like okay. I just yes. lust for like different gear <laughs> yeah. and stuff uh-huh. like that. And I think I chase the same thing with sounds in a way. Okay. Where okay. Like, yeah, I get that. Like if I recorded a guitar with a 57 and a 421 last time, like this next time I'm like, you know what? Like maybe we should try like 
a, con- a condenser and this other thing, you know, like mm-hmm. we'll see if like that's a good combination. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm guilty of like maybe experimenting a little bit on the <laughs> clock. I'll be like, like, let's try this other weird chain or sequence of mics, you know? Uh-huh. Cause to me, it's like you throw it up and if like some magical thing happens, you're like, damn, that's fucking sick. Like I can keep yeah. note of that. Yes. And if it does, if it doesn't work, then like, it takes like two seconds to just like switch a mic and put the 57 back, which you know works. Right, right. exactly. You know what I mean? You have your bag so, and so might as well keep exploring and you might find the thing that like makes that record it like that is that. Totally. Magic. And like, and I, I think maybe either I attract it or uh-huh. I don't know, like I choose to work with certain bands that I, I feel are like open to that type of thing. Cool. Yes. You know, like, yeah. like, yo, let's, let's throw a drum room mic in the garbage can yeah you know whatever Uh like exactly yeah like weird goofy stuff like that but i think it excites people like oh yeah like what the fuck was that gonna sound like i'm like i don't know like let's do it Uh uh-huh and then maybe it sucks maybe it doesn't work but you're like all right right, well you know we'll just mute that but there's there's i think i think it makes it exciting for everybody to like try things that are like weird like well that that energy is infectious too like um one of the one of my favorite things with uh miking drums is like putting a um uh, I know a lot of people do this, but putting like basically a microphone pointed right at their groin, like yeah, over... crotch, 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 mic. And uh, that, um, like seeing drummers change the way they play when I, you know, crank that thing a little bit, like run into the stressor or something, or just like get that, get that, yeah, blend yeah. that in, so it doesn't sound anymore like they're just playing like sterile close mic. To, like they, now they have some energy. Yeah, they have just, just, there's like a little pumping ha- yeah, thing happening pull thing and now now they're hitting the drums differently and they're you know it's like those those kind of things are really interesting how they are infectious in terms of just the performance on the other side of the glass of like right 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 if you're exploring I listen, on this side you'll explore on that side yeah i can't remember if i read it or maybe i heard it in a different podcast but somebody was mentioning like like that mic like taking the crotch mic and yeah. like sending just that okay signal to the drummer when okay. they're playing like you cool. don't give them the kick snare and the other thing you send them just that just that because because that microphone uh-huh. has its own balance right it has its own balance mm. of kick snare yes. symbols right and like and psychologically like if they're hearing like oh like there's too much hi-hat happening in this one microphone that they're hearing oh yeah they yeah, start yeah. to they start to like chill out on the hi-hat and maybe right. just play harder on the kick and snare and like yes like feet like the headphone mix can kind of like that's so true change 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 people's performances that's so true i do that a lot with my vocals um is like playing with the level at which my voice is cutting through or being varied by the mix and then also like the level of my headphones um like if it's like really loud i'm gonna sing differently even if quieter yeah yeah you know it's just like that that give and take of all those variables it it, yeah it fundamentally changes how you approach performance even just subconsciously i I, you know yeah yeah i've always I had never really thought about it on the on the drumming side of that till yeah, I, yeah, I, I right. heard somebody talk about it, but I've always mm-hmm. kind of been hip hip to that idea with vocals. I'm like, if I need these yeah. vocalers to like push it a little harder, like I'll just send them a little less of themselves. So they gotta yes. they gotta they gotta give more to hear to hear it, right? So right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it it's also funny because it like if you hear yourself less, you end up singing a little bit more like you do when you're live. Because you don't hear yourself right. super well a lot of times, especially if you're a more up and coming band, you got monitor mixes and no in ears or anything like that. Like, right, totally. Kind of used to like pushing it, um, but then when it's super intimate, um, yeah, you can like kind of back off the mic and and be scared. Uh, yeah, totally interesting, like the psychoacoustics or whatever the uh, the it's like psychology, psychology recording, right? Like recording. that's that's yeah. like 
I guess that's that's producer stuff, right? Like just like weird tricks that you don't even have to tell anyone to like yeah coax them to like perform right better. Like yeah some jedi mind trick kind of zen master stuff of yeah just turn this knob a little bit and you're gonna react to it differently yeah i turn you down you'll sing a little louder and everything's mm -hmm. gonna be good yeah love that exactly yeah and i i love that idea of applying that to drums too especially because it's so it's so difficult i think that was the the scariest thing to me when i started approaching um like live recordings with drummers especially in the beginning because i think i over -miked. Um, which is a natural thing that most people do when they're starting up is just put a mic on everything. That's uh, still over mic. It's, I mean, it's fun, <laughs> but like, especially in the beginning, I think it, it's like, it's really hard to be like, okay, now I'm like dealing with 32 channels all at once. And I'm like a new engineer or whatever. It's like, Oh my God. <laughs> a lot to manage. Yeah. A lot to manage. It's still, I mean, it's still a lot to manage. Yeah, totally. Totally. Uh, I, so like, I, I almost, I felt like liberated when I started miking the drum kit less and then from there i was able to mic it more again you know if, if that makes sense yeah yeah every now and then like i get i get sent something that's like somebody had just like kick in snare top uh -huh. tom tom overhead overhead that's it yeah. yeah you know what i mean right and i'm like oh i don't know if i'm gonna be able to do the thing and then like you start working on it and you're like man this shit is just like like the phase is way better so it yeah. sounds punchier yeah and like yeah like the less things that there are, like the more direct the sounds mm -hmm. feel and the For phase sure. is better. And like, For sure. it, sometimes it sounds better, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I had kind of done, done a similar thing where I, you know, whatever, 20 mics on the kit <laughs> to like, you know what? Like maybe I should just do kick, snare, tom, tom, overheads. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And then, you know, take it back from there and be like, all right, now room mic, room mics. And then we'll yeah. leave it there. Yeah, exactly. Lately, yeah. I, lately, I've kind of landed in that. Uh -huh. Like, cool. I just have those sim that simple thing. Yep. And then a stereo room mic, and I limit myself to that. I love it, and I I like that too because it's like, okay, here's my baseline. I know that if I don't have this, I'm gonna regret it. Now, what does that kit need? It's like, oh, it needs more gut from the snare. Okay, snare bottom. You know, like that. Those right. kind of like, like you can react to the sound rather than just being like, here's my default miking setup. What, what I always do. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I own this many mics. I'm going to use them all. <laughs> you yeah. Know, that kind of I mean, I, I try to keep in my head sometimes when I mic up a ton of stuff is like, I'll be like, yeah. I'm going to cover a lot of bases. Yeah. And chances are like, I'm going to mute a bunch of these fucking microphones. Like, yes. You know, I'm going to start pulling them up one by one and see what works. And then you, like, you I don't need all the, of these. You have to have that confidence discipline. though. Like, yeah, that discipline to be like, I yeah, actually will. To me it's, <laughs> yeah. To me, it's discipline because I've been guilty of yeah. like, I recorded all eight. 18 mics all 18 mics need to make it into this balance when like really just like pull two of them out and you're like oh everything is way more clear now so like yeah just, just keep it moving like yeah yeah and and allowing like trust and room for you to react to it um it's like i like, I, don't, I don't know i think it was andrew sheps or something was talking about um how it's so natural and native to put um uh, high pass filters on on everything other than like a kick drum but he's like sometimes the magic is in the weird floppy low end from the tom and it's like just like reading and reacting like allowing the sound like you were saying with the the mics yeah, yeah. on the guitar or whatever i like, think i think yeah. i think i had maybe heard that inter uh, uh -huh. interview or something before too where I, i've had to like kind of consciously do that too because i, I got yeah. into a habit of like oh for sure me too it Absolutely. doesn't nothing 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 happens below 60 hertz so peace uh -huh. out yeah, exactly. but like sometimes like like on guitars like on guitar you just like yeah, leave it yeah. open right like there's a weird 20 hertz rumble happening on guitars but if you get rid of it like guitars don't sound as big so yeah yeah 
that's a great that's a great point i wanted to talk to you specifically about guitars um and and because i i was just i was just listening to um to the ep uh that you that you just sent me over on um on Bandcamp and just had the size of the guitars and i was also looking at your website and you're talking like make it loud i'd love to like hear your your principles of you know making it loud making things hit hard making rock records and like letting those guitars speak and have their space so um we just love to hear a little bit about kind of like how you approach that ep and then also kind of how you approach that just in general I guess maybe in general works yeah. a little better. I mean, the EP sure. is, yeah. well, the EP was, is, is my band that I play in, cool. which Sounds has awesome. its own demons to it. Okay. I mean, I, maybe, maybe you have the uh, same yeah. experience, like rec yeah. recording my own you. stuff. Like totally to me, it's, it's almost easier to like work with other people's stuff. Uh-huh. Cause it's I like mean, doctors I, just, don't operate I, on themselves. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a, that's a fantastic analogy actually. <laughs> um, I have a, I have a hard time just being, um, objective sometimes when yeah, yeah, yeah. when it's my own stuff probably because sure. i've heard it so many times and whatever but i guess maybe just the general ethos of the whole thing it, it, maybe it kind of stemmed from just records i liked that inspired me to even want to do this that like just had big ass drums and like big yeah. ass guitars and i think um i think maybe not a race but like maybe it was just kind of like the thing we were pushing is the uh, uh, who i mentioned my buddy john yeah um we kind of came up doing this a lot together and I feel like we both were like very much like trying to make recordings that like sounded like in front of the speakers. And yes. Yes. Louder, 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 but uh -huh. then like not fucked up, smushed loud, uh -huh, uh -huh. like the loudness war stuff. But, so yeah, I've kind of always tried to strive for these big, larger than life sounds, but still kind of keep them natural sounding. I love the in front of the speaker thing. Cause I feel that too, where it's like, some records you just feel like even just on your phone sometimes it feels like it's like levitating up here yeah like, how'd you pull that off where it's it's not coming I mean, from the source anymore it's so cool for, yeah like from from what i guess i've learned now that like yeah. it's um what's the right word it's like rel relative is it relative eq it's just like the kind of the way you eq things relative okay. loudness right relative like the, yeah, okay. you, yeah. you can try to eq things in a way that like makes it feel loud but like metering wise, like mm. isn't any louder than yeah. something else, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the I think that's the trick to like what you just said. Like it sounds like it's above your phone. Uh-huh. It's just like finding the right ways to make the mid-range sit and make things jump out yes. of the mix. Yes. And like shit like that. And all the saturation. I mean, like we were that's how we kind of began this conversation, was talking about all of the different outboard gear and then also the plugins and stuff and trying to coax that saturation those those transistors and stuff yeah saturation saturation in a way just kind of like it, it can like hold back transients cool without yeah. it sounding like it's holding back transients cool. okay that or makes sense. maybe it's i mean it's, for, it's for the people idea listening, transient is like the 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 attack and release like the ah, yeah, like that that initial like impact the that it's pushing into the microphone just just in case somebody doesn't know right yeah and we do it at like a, on a softer level but like i mean mm -hmm. a guitar like a guitar amp yeah. if you you know, if you hear just a guitar direct in, it's just like mm -hmm. plank, plank, plank. It's like <laughs> yeah. all transient, right? But as yeah, soon as you right. send it through a mar through like a Marshall amp, mm -hmm. there's no more transients. Yeah. But it's just like ja, 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 ja. Yes. So yes. like it's doing a sim it's doing a similar thing to like snare drums or vocals. You know, you yeah. kind of yeah, you kind of like round the top of it off, and like it allows like the stuff behind it to kind of feel like it sits mm. more forward. It. Right. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I think and, more now now I'm more conscious of using saturation to do these things where cool. in the past I think 
by just slamming stuff through outboard gear or right. mixing on a console. Yes. Those things were happen were happening. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of was rolling with it, you know, now I'm more like, okay, yeah, like I kind of now now understand why yeah things are happening because I'm u- using these tools or techniques and things well, like that. Well, I think that. that's that's like the difference between early digital and where we are now. It's not just the tools got better, like obviously the tools got better, but um, it's also the engineers and stuff figured out how to use it and stack it and like have it do the and thing com- combine it exactly and now like that, yeah, yeah, and yeah everyone everyone now knows that the marriage between the like dirty analog shit going into the digital recording is like what sounds good yeah yes the real the real clean mic pre into the real clean digital daw kind of kind of boring <laughs> right. you know the, the the distorting tube poltech shit on the before the daw like is what sounds real nice yes exactly it's that marriage and then because then you you get the beautiful combination this is part of the reason why i think stuff sounds better now than it ever did is you have the combination of control and like harmonics and having both you you can do so much more rather than just kind of like choose yeah 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 i mean me 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 and my one of my my studio partners the other day were like Mm -hmm. listening to a record and like i was like yo this record sounds i think it was a mars volta record we put it on or Uh whatever and he was like so surprised how like little low end there was mm. in it and this is yeah. you know this record was what tw- 20 years ago yeah because he's like man like low end in records now is like mm. so big it's huge and it's be- it is but it's it's because like playback systems can handle it now yep. yep and like and you know like on tape i mean maybe maybe i'm wrong i guess you probably could push low and pretty hard, like, you know, on tape machines and through consoles and stuff. But I think like the capturing of it in the digital Mm -hmm. environment and then being able to like control it there and hold it and allow it to get farther forward Uh in the blend, the blend of things allows for records to just have like fucking huge low end. And also, I mean like delivery, I was talking to my grandpa about this, about like low end on vinyl and you know how it was like harder in like the 60s and 70s to be able to be like here's like a super bass heavy thing and not have the um needle needle jump, jump out, of the, out of the groove right yeah so you have that you have like the format for the for the format allows you the format have, allows like, you and we have like fidelity lossless fidelity formats like on bandcamp like we'll, we'll we'll drop your 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 band's link into the bank uh, for bandcamp so people can hear it at full res um but like all that stuff that actually that matters like you get more base information when you're dealing with lossless formats and also i think that mastering has changed pretty drastically and kind of like the ways that mastering engineers look at creating a finished product i think yeah i think so yeah i mean if as you if you move from like the 90s into the 2000s yeah. and then in i mean i guess like the 2000s was like everyone basically asking mastering engineers like make this shit the loudest fucking thing <laughs> yeah. possible Yes. mostly for cds right they were right. like they wanted like the cd yeah. to be like the loudest fucking cd ever and then i think it is it is obviously then now evolved that like most things are mastered headed towards just digital streaming mm-hmm. i feel it's like digital streaming and vinyl right it's like yeah those are the two the, the kind of the two formats that are the most i mean streaming being the most popular by far obviously mm-hmm. where like yeah the 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 end product is different it doesn't need to be the loudest loudest thing Uh because a lot of the the algorithms of like spotify and all these things kind of just level yeah you can obviously turn that thing off but i i assume most consumers just download spotify and like and let it ride most people leave it on low res 
drives me yeah. crazy. I go into my friend's car. I'm like, this sounds like crap. And I go in their settings. I'm like, you're kidding me. Even your downloaded stuff is not at like 320 uh, MP3 level. Put like, it, yeah. Ah, put it at 320. And then, yeah. I mean, you and I are probably just nerdy enough that like I go in and I take like the auto leveling thing same, off. Like, same. Me too. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I want to hear it. Like, I, I want to hear it. Like, how was this made? Like, what yeah. was, what was, what was the band and the whole process? Like, this is the finished thing. I want to hear that. Exactly. Exactly. Totally agree. And I like some of some of the down sometimes, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have to like convince myself that like if I if I end up doing a recording that's like a mm-hmm. little bit quieter, but like the transients jump more and like you know, by lack of a better term, maybe like has more fidelity, but it's not as loud as like some other thing. Like I have to mm-hmm. convince myself, like, well, yeah, like you could just turn it up a little bit and it sounds sick. Yeah. Like yeah, right. I, but like I, people, people chase the loud record thing. Yeah, you know, like I, I understand why, and I, also the perceptual loudness kind of stuff that you were talking about. Like I understand that even more, um, and that's also a, a tricky thing. Like um, I've had some stuff, especially on streaming, that hit streaming that's um, maybe would be perceptually more quiet because there's like more bass, and sometimes the streaming doesn't hit the bass as hard. I don't know some some interesting things like that, but it's like. It doesn't really. It's hard matter. to gauge. It's hard to gauge because I guess the the codex that the streaming services use to like yeah. whether like penalize and turn it down or turn cool. it up or like yeah are 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 from what I understand are based like uh, um over over like a period of time on your mm-hmm. track and it it has a lot to do with like mm-hmm. mid range and cool. low end. So yeah. if you have a song that's like loud 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 and then the whole middle of the song ends up like really quiet and not like very mid rangey and it gets loud 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 again it may not get penalized that much because mm. over over the duration of their song, it didn't feel like there was a ton of like mid range interesting material okay. in it. But if you yeah. have like, like just my stuff or like whatever yeah. rock rock stuff, that's just straight mid range yeah. blaring as loud as it can through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's like those types of things probably like absolutely get penalized. They're like, Oh, we got to turn this thing down and yeah. like norm- normalize it or whatever. Yeah. Which is why I think like something like Bandcamp is so cool to exist, and I highly encourage all music fans to to check it out because it's like I know that that audiophile people get on their high horse about loss lossless and all this kind of stuff, but that's the way that you can really hear it, the way that the band approved it, and yeah. it'll sound they put good the on final thing there. It's yeah. this is it. Everything else is it's like it's like uh, when people would buy vinyl. Um, they would see like, okay, what like generation vinyl is this? Because it would get worse. Every like, I was reading yeah. um, uh, a book and it was talking about like British versus uh, English. I mean, uh, British versus American um, acts, and they would send different generations of tape to each other, and so each had a wor- a lesser version of the other's um, acts, like because that would be how they would they would print the the vinyl, so it like would sound way worse overseas, um, and it's like do you really want that or do you want to just like get this is this is better than first generation this is like zero generation it's yeah it's it yeah i mean it's a it's a weird thing like there there's there's a population of people and musicians and music fans too that like care about that right yeah but there i mean there is there's an entire population totally in the world that could give a fuck i just feel like they're missing out it's like it's like it's like adding like enough salt to your dish or something like that. It's like, there's like another layer. If this is your favorite thing, like this is your favorite song. It's like, have you ever listened to it for real? Like, yeah, it's there's probably of... like a little bit more emotion in it that, like, right. that, that, that you like, you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Exactly. And that's not to little, say that I don't love, I, I, I use streaming. Like I love it. I love having access to sample things. Like that's awesome. But yeah, if I, if I'm about this and I, I absolutely love it, 
I want I want that file. I want the highest res. I want to have that in case use... you know apocalypse. Like I'll listen to that tune on my wave player. Yeah, I, feel, I mean for the most part, I I I, I use title because cool. it kind of touted yeah. touted itself as like mm -hmm. it had all the high res stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. Um, so I I'd, I'd love to um kind of talk talk about your band um and and see uh you know kind of what what you got going on anything that you'd love to you know promote um have people come your way and and listen to your stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh it's a band that we started in like 2005, did it for a lot of years, toured, did a couple of records and then we cool. kind of just Capsule. life stuff capsules capsules the band I'm talking about and um yeah, just life stuff started to happen and we kind of didn't didn't do that project anymore yeah. for a while me uh -huh. and some of the other guys in the band had a, had another band for a period of time we all just kind of ended up being the guys that play together like we, we kind of speak the same language right so love it we didn't do that for a long time and one of the colin the other guitar player in the band mm -hmm. uh, besides myself uh he started a project kind of in the in the pandemic he had like a, a you know a collection of songs and was like hey man i kind of want to like record these so he would come, he came to Miami. He lives in California now. He came to Miami and um, we kind of just, me and him basically just did it as like a recording project. Yeah. And then once, you know, once it was all done, this, this project was called Viral Sun. And once it was all done, like he, we, we wanted to play like a couple shows. So basically, um, basically the other guys in Capsule ended up just being the band for it. Cool. So we played a couple shows as that and then as we did it we realized you know like man we haven't done this in a long time we love playing yeah. with each other like yeah we do it very well together yeah and we're like why don't we do some capsule stuff and we we started yeah. to get it we got an offer to go play this um this fest in gainesville called called the fest cool it's like a big punk, awesome. punk rock music festival oh, that happens every fun. year in gainesville florida i think they're on like their 20th year 25th cool. year cool. something crazy so we got offered to do that and we were kind of mm -hmm. like all right yeah let's fucking do that and if we're gonna do that like we should like Right, record a couple songs. Totally. So, so we did that. I love and it. And they were released officially yesterday. Dude, yesterday. What great time! Yesterday. That's awesome. Yeah. All totally. Right. All right. Yeah. So I'll definitely put that in the in the bio so people can check that out. Uh, I just have one last question for you, and this is kind of the thing that we do with with every um everybody that comes on the show. So it's the show is called Love Music More. Segment's called Love Music Why. This is basically just your chance just to talk just poetically a little bit about like why do you love music why do you love doing this what is it about you know giving so much of your life to music that inspires you to you know wake up the next day and do it again man that's that's a that's a deep one it's a deep one i mean i don't know from a very early age i just kind of became obsessed with music i started playing guitar when i was like eight seven or eight like I mean, I got, I don't know, music just made me and I'm just, everybody on the planet, hopefully, like it just made me feel, made me feel right. Like, mm, yeah. And I guess that kind of, that's kind of addicting, right? Like the way music <laughs> can make, can, can make you feel, yes. can make you feel all kinds of shit. Yeah. can make you feel like super hyped. It can make you cry. It can, you know, and uh, I don't know. I just, I guess I wanted to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. from an early age like i just knew i wanted to like be involved in whatever universe that like music is and um 
you know, it initially started with like playing music and like learning how to play and like trying to write songs and start forming bands. And it, it evolved into like now me helping other people like realize their artistic visions and yes, make, re- make records. And like, I mean, I don't know. It's still just exciting every day, just being a part of music. It's like a magical thing. And like, you, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to be able to travel a, a lot of the world, like doing music stuff, either playing or, we didn't really talk about it, but I, I do a lot of live sound engineering. I tour with some bands and um, yeah, I just, I just went to China and India this cool. last month no doing way. sound for um, this band Snarky Puppy, which is like oh, a yeah, totally. pretty big jazz fusion group. Yeah. yeah. I do monitors for them. Awesome. And um, yeah, I mean, literally the other side of the world, yeah. like yeah. thousands of people coming to just, you know, watch, watch those guys, which who, who are virtuosic. Yes. You know, musicians yeah just you know whole other cultures whole other side of the planet like also love this music you know like love music music's music's everywhere in the world and i think that's a beautiful fucking thing i agree man what what's the difference uh doing you know live versus studio like how is it just a very different uh perspective or is it kind of same same things i try not i try not to i try not to think of it yeah. that that different there is there are yeah. different skill sets that you have to For implement sure. i start i started in in studio stuff and then yeah. uh, moved moved into live sound i feel like you don't have to pay attention somebody would probably like slap me for saying this but i feel <laughs> like i feel i feel in live sound like you don't have to be as fucking detail oriented mm-hmm. where in studios i feel like you are like a yeah, kick drum you're like oh. yeah yeah it's like a microscope where i feel live you're like that shit sounds like a kick drum. It hits next. Yeah. Move, yeah, yeah, on. yeah. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. You find you fine tune stuff, but yeah. Yeah. The live sound, I feel it's, it's the same skill set of EQing and using dynamic control to hold on to things. But then, you know, the other layer is just feedback. And yeah, feedback. like we were, yeah. <laughs> and like what we were talking about, like building a new studio and like right. learning how the room sounds. Mm-hmm. Live, live sound is mixing whatever in a new room every single every day single day and soundcheck has no people at it and then the show has thousands of people at it and then the whole room sounds different yeah whole bunch of bodies absorbing yeah that sound. but yeah yeah but uh, you know but you're implementing just this, the same general skills as like you know this needs to be brighter now because there's people uh, here so yeah you know okay. EQ brighter EQ, here we go exactly shelf, shelf shelf up here we go shelf tilt. up <laughs> tilt. Is that good here it's still awesome, Ryan. that was this was a great conversation I, I learned a lot hopefully listeners did too it was it was an absolute pleasure um and yeah, thank uh, you for having me definitely check out check out um your band also put in your website so people could uh link up with you and see your the rest of your work and uh let's definitely keep in touch and i hope to make it out to your part of the country at sometime very soon if you do holla man yeah i will man all right really appreciate it Peace.